Hey, 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 welcome to the Raindrop Corner podcast, an affirming space that centers the cool, creative, and courageous people in our community. This is your alchemical playground filled with nuanced conversations, unique perspectives, and magic makers. We spit fire and defy societal desires here. I'm Kay Huggins, your host and purveyor of words. This week's episode featured Olivia Graves, also known as the Witch of Wonderlust. This was a treat to do. We got to talk about something that a lot of practitioners and spiritualists don't talk about whenever they're talking about energy work or ritualistic based work or the topic of witches. We got to talk about what boundaries look like for people who are witches or people who are more in tuned with energy and spirits in their environment. And that was a really cool conversation. And then we got to talk about the art of pole dance and how there isn't just one way to do pole dancing and it was really cool getting to dive into that and specifically getting to dive into Olivia's passion for just really respecting the journey whether that's the concept of death and what we're navigating in our current day-to-day lives to death in the spiritual sense. So I hope that you all enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Without further ado, here's an ode to our guest. I was commissioned by death. She left me a hand basket, pushed me out to sea, and chanted a pretty tune. The world, it's not pretty. It was, it was dank and dirty and dismal. It smelled of rot earth and lavender and it was so beautiful the land was better than the water i was grounded here sinking into soil that wanted me to sprout my toes grew roots little long things little deep things free little things i was commissioned by death she left me a handbasket pushed me out to sea, and chanted a pretty tune. This week's guest is the Witch of Wonderlust, Miss Olivia, and you are a photographer, a pole dancer, and a super cool practitioner. And I've actually, I've been watching your content for a fair amount of time, and I'm really excited to speak with you today. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. And... I just, because there's so much going on, I know, in your world, what's been going on in your world as of late, and what are you excited about? Oh my gosh, that's a big question, because <laughs> I'm, like, extra busy this month. Everything good, though, so, um, let's see, what, where to start? Uh, so, YouTube itself, and making videos and whatnot, take up most of my time, but this month, I've got a a dance slash pole slash like circus aerial type of show coming up um which is actually this upcoming sunday the next one is september 9th so i've got i'm working on two shows at a time uh one of them is a lot more work than the other so i'm basically just living at the studio and then on top of that i'm also still trying to keep up with my youtube schedule and which i didn't i didn't have a video come out this week but that's okay um and yeah, so there's that, and then on top of that, I'm trying to figure out, like, a community garden for my local area, and mm-hmm. that is um, proving to be a little more <laughs> a little more work than anticipated, but it's all fun. Um, I've got a 
trip coming up and just there's just a lot of things going on but they're all good things so I'm excited just tired <laughs> they do all sound really cool have you done like circus based aerial work before so I only really do pole mm -hmm. like professionally otherwise I have done you know aerial silks and the sling and the lira which is that the, the hoop that's suspended mm -hmm. but I won't usually perform those professionally just because I don't feel like I'm ready for that but I I have been in a lot of pole shows before this particular one is the first one that I am in that is a circus act all together. There's like um, an acro yoga, not uh, yoga, no, um, an acro couple that is really cool. There are um, some really incredible and interesting performers that are going to be in this one. I'm really excited to see it all come together. That is really cool. I'm excited for you. That sounds like a lot of fun. I um, I've never done any kind of work like that but I've had the pleasure of like producing a, a few things in that realm and it's always cool to see it come together but I'm curious you do your channel specifically centers around the magical realm and kind of dispelling a lot of the stigmas and misinformation around magic so can I ask about your magical journey and your journey specifically as a witch was it a path that you unlocked earlier in your life or was it something that you became aware of a little bit later? You know, I think everybody, ha when they're children, they connect with the world a lot easier than you do as a, an adult. Mm -hmm. But I do remember being still very connected as a child. And, um, and when I say connected, I just mean almost in a weird way, understanding energies when I wasn't really sure what I was doing or picking up on things like that and uh it just you know caught my interest because it just seemed like if I was to put my faith in what I was feeling and what I was just naturally understanding rather than being proven um often it turned out to be right in the long run anyway so I, I just thought that was interesting and that kind of just snowballed that and you know the history of magic the history of just I don't even want to really say religion, just spirituality, I guess. And the, I mean, religion is also incredibly interesting as well, but spirituality also has always just struck a nerve with me of just people believing in and not only believing in, but working with something otherworldly, part of our universe, but, um, you know, something that we don't quite understand yet. And that kind of just snowballed and I started practicing uh, just for myself, kind of behind closed doors for a very long time. And then when I finally opened up and started practicing outwardly and telling people around me and noticing that they, maybe if they didn't understand it, but they didn't ridicule me for it, like I thought a lot of them were going to. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I mean, I've always wanted to make YouTube videos. I've had a YouTube channel for a long time that was not really focused on witchcraft or spirituality. But when it came down to, um, like, making videos, I was usually doing stuff that, like, art or vlogs or things like that. And then I realized, like, there's not a lot of YouTubers that are talking about spirituality or, you know, witchcraft or a magical practice. And it was really hard to find information online as I was growing up. Nowadays, it's everywhere. I mean, I'm not going to say it's all good information, but there's information everywhere. And I figured, okay, well, maybe I can make the videos that I was looking for when I was younger. And that's kind of just how that 
all happened. I have a lot of respect for that in terms of wanting to fill that need that that you see being there. I can say from my own perspective, as I was growing up, I couldn't find practically anything about spirituality, at least on YouTube. It it took, you know, meeting other people in the magical community and talking to other practitioners for me to really kind of glean more information and dispel a little bit of of those those things that they tell you you have to do, but then you learn that it's more so a very personal thing as you get older. So I'm very curious because I noticed that your channel specifically focuses a lot on the merit of lore and spell casting, and you you very much so empower the individual um, rather than creating like these hard frameworks for how things need to be done. What is the goal of your channel and what is the goal of what you want to share with people as someone who is putting themselves out there as a practitioner? My, that's a great question. My goal, while my videos do center around spirituality and creating a personal craft, I actually, which I'm proud to say, I have a lot of audience members who are not practitioners and are Maybe they're interested in learning, but they're not interested in practicing, or maybe they're not interested at all in practicing. Um, but my goal for my actual channel and all of my content is just for to kind of push people to live a life that they feel like is enriched, I, whatever that means. You know, uh, I teach pole dancing as well when I'm not, you know, making videos and such, and that is by far one of the best jobs I've ever had and I would never give it up for anything because I get to watch people who see pole dancing and take that leap and take the class and just fall in love with it and in only you know 50 minutes that they come in and they're shy and they're uncomfortable and unsure and then you know an hour later they walk out of the studio a little different their head is a little higher and their chest is a little more puffed out, and they're kind of like, I just did that. And, you know, it's whether they're going to turn into a pole dancer later on, that's not my goal. I just want them to understand that the world is a playground, you know? Like, we're, we're taught that we're supposed to be this one thing or another thing, depending on where we grew up or what we look like or who we are or what our body is like. And, like, that's not true. There's just not limits to what we decide to do and sure there can be modifications depending on you know your experience as a person and everything you know there's there's always going to be small limitations but if you want to try something then try it and I just think like living in a box is just one of the worst things that humans can do because there's just this huge colorful world out there that you can just play with I just think that's amazing I agree 100%. And I like that you call it a playground because it really is. <laughs> there's just, there's so many versatile things that you can do. And I I do a lot of work with youth. And even though I'm not a mental health practitioner, I kind of dabble in that realm because of some of the advocacy work that I do. And a lot of the things that I've personally run into is people feeling like they can't because the world's been constantly telling them that they can't they have to live a certain way they have to practice you know a certain religion they aren't allowed to 
do things because they're considered sinful or what have you. And there's, there's so much freedom in figuring out what's fun for you. And like you said, what's enriching you light up. Um, whenever you're talking about anything related to pole dancing, you can, you can really feel that it's a core passion of yours and you, you treat it like the art form that it is. There's a lot of stigmas around pole dancing and it's just really cool to see you have such a passion behind it. What kind of led you into becoming a pole dancer and to also train other people? So I was never athletic. I was never a dancer. I couldn't touch my toes when I first started. I couldn't lift myself up. Like there was nothing about this art that should have called to me. However, I was about to turn 18 and I figured, you know what, I want to try something that's completely out of my comfort zone because Prior to that, you know, I, I grew up with uh, men, but a lot of toxic masculinity as well. And being, a, you know, being a woman or being a small girl growing up into a woman in that, I always felt the need to prove myself. Oh, like I'm super masculine, feminine is weak, whatever. It was, it was just, it was a mess. And, you know, you'd never catch me in makeup and never a dress and never heels. And now look at me, I'm like, you know, <laughs> all of those things. Um so my 18th birthday rolled around and I thought, you know what, I'm going to just try something that's completely out of my comfort zone, something I know nothing about. And fuck it. I'm going to fuck around and find out. Oh, can I curse? I'm sorry. Yes, I you can. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can I curse. Like, I put... <laughs> I, hey, you never know. You know, I want to make sure that I'm respecting my, my interviewer. Um, You're all good. But... Thank you for asking. Please curse <laughs> oh as much God. as you want to. Okay, great. Well, careful with that one. I, I might. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was just about to turn 18, and I told my mom, because I was living with her at the time, and I said, hey, I want to try pole dancing class. And thank God my mom was like, yeah, okay. And took me to the studio, signed the waiver for me, and I took this class, and I just remember being so bad at it. <laughs> and But loving just the knowing that I could progress if I wanted to. And I don't know what ignited something in me. I think half of it is just, like, I love... Look, I grew up with Assassin's Creed, so anytime yes. I can, like, parkour on things and <laughs> climb around on things like a maniac, that's for me. Like, parkour is so fun, so if anybody wants to try it, you should. It's so um, much but, fun. <laughs> yeah, so anything aerial, I just thought it's just unique. It's a fun way to express myself. Um, and pole specifically is a really interesting art form because it it can be anything. So you can come from a dance background of literally any dance and incorporate that into pole. Now, obviously, a lot of people assume and immediately think of, um, you know, like sexual stripping. And while that's where a lot of our moves came from, a lot of the dance style came from, like those are the OGs. There are a lot of really cool ways to incorporate different styles as well if you're not really looking for something sexy or sensual or stripper style. And I've seen ballet people, um, people come in from ballet and they are incredible when, because there's just so much technique and the form that they hold and you can tell. So I'll have students come in and uh, it's just a, you know, pole level one and pole is very different than a lot of dances. I understand that, but you can tell. So when I'm teaching a certain move, I can just, I can point out a ballet dancer or I can point out somebody who's like done contemporary or hip hop. I'm like, Oh, immediately. Like 
I know that you have a bad <laughs> background because I can see you already incorporating it because that is what your body knows. And it's just really cool to watch people express themselves because there are um, there are studios that are mainly trick based and sport based. So you go in and it's not really choreography. It's not really dance. It's mainly like strength based and doing all these really cool aerial combos. Then there's other studios that are very based in um, stripper style and very based in choreo and you know, wearing the heels and wearing the lingerie. And then there's others that are more dancey, but like contemporary. So like, there's kind of a taste for everything. And it's just a lot of fun. Because again, it's not something that really allows you to put yourself in a box. Like there's so many different styles and just different ways to express yourself. So again, it's a playground in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can't bring me towards actual playgrounds or I will pull dance on them and I will set a bad example for all the children. And then all the kids are like, Mom, I want to do that. And I'm like, well, tell them you want to be a pole dancer. Like, <laughs> I love it. I, I am not good at pole dancing, but I have tried and it's a lot of fun. Maybe one good. day. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, I think if you're having fun and as long as you're not doing anything that's hurting your body, that's, that, those are the two things that I really care about when people come to my classes. Now, I will be picky if I know that you're trying to kind of, like, move up and stuff, but mm-hmm. otherwise, like, as long as you're, as long as you're doing it, that you're not hurting yourself and you're having fun, that's the only thing I give a shit about. That's the important thing. And I mean, I, when you go back in history, um, and just through people that I've met over time, performers, they like over in India or over in different places in Europe or just other locations, there's a history of pole dancing being used as a performance art piece. And that's something that in the Western world, we don't really, we don't acknowledge or for a lot of us even know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole history. I mean, it came from uh, Chinese pole, which is an incredible sport. If yes. you ever... If you're curious, which I hope you are, please YouTube that uh, for your for your audience. You you're know, welcome like, in advance. <laughs> it's yeah, really it's cool. Incredible. Um, and that's kind of where it based off of. And then it goes into uh, traveling circuses. So that pole that would hold up the the tent, uh, women would, would dance around it. And there was, there was something um, I think was incorporated with belly dancing as well, but don't quote me on that. That that might just be my terrible memory. Um, that but, sounds you know, about right. Dance around the pole, and then it it kind of turned into that that um, sensual allure. And then fast forward, we have stripping, and then fast forward, we have uh, all the all the amazingness that pole sports and pole dance and stripping is. And it's just it's just great. So many flavors. So there's just so much dexterity that goes into it. It is, it is a beast of its own in like the best <laughs> possible way. Yeah, I I adore it. I think it's really cool. You're just you're a really versatile person, and I like that you bleed every iteration of that passion into everything that you do. I'm very curious because so you said you grew up and there was a lot of toxic masculinity around you. And you're also someone, from what you said earlier, that has kind of tapped into um, your magic and your abilities early in life and just throughout your life. So what has been some of the biggest untruths that you've learned about yourself, not just through your practitioner journey, your journey as a witch, but just in general? Mm, That's a great question. 
Uh, I think that I have to prove myself is a really big one. You see that a lot in toxic masculinity. Wow, toxic masculinity. You see that a lot. Uh, that you're constantly having to prove yourself, and especially as a woman, you you have to prove yourself double, if not triple, the time. So like you can be doing the same or even better as your male peers, and you're still going to be underappreciated or underestimated. And it was just so tiring to be feeling like I constantly needed to prove myself. And I mean, I'm not going to try to say that that doesn't seep in still these days that there are certain times that I'm like, oh, I have to make sure that they know that I'm capable of this. But now, thankfully, that's more of just an intrusive thought instead of an act that I actually act upon. Um, but that was a really big struggle, I think, was the biggest one was just constantly feeling like I needed to prove myself to make sure people didn't underestimate me because, you know, I knew what I was capable of, but I felt like nobody else knew. And uh, it's much easier said than done, for sure. But yeah. it's also easier said now that I have built myself up and I have kind of proven myself regardless of not really doing that for other people. But um you know there there is a lot of like things that I have already proven to myself that I'm like well I can do this so I don't care if people think that I can't and now it's actually almost like a smaller thing of like it's kind of funny that they think that I can't do this and then I turn around and like whip it out at, at like you know a party or something like people might be like oh she's because so, I'm a I'm a smaller person mm-hmm. um I love when people meet me in person because they're like, I thought you were at least like 5'8", and I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm 5'2", I'm <laughs> and, um, you know, I it's just the big dick energy, I think. It's just like that very uh, intense, <laughs> it just comes off taller, I don't know. But, um, you know, people who don't know me at all, don't know anything about me, I know that they will underestimate me in a way, and then it's funny to see, like, down the line out of nowhere uh you know there just so happens to be like a pull at the bar and i've had a couple of drinks of whiskey and i'm like let's get this in and i get up there and they're like wait what like what where did this come from and it's like the funniest i think it's just like incredible to be like ta-da you know like anyway i'll take a refill on my drink (laughs) but um that was one of the biggest hurdles i think for me and then on top of that uh accepting that I do love being feminine like I love being feminine and um that not to say that I don't love my masculine days because I absolutely have those but there was so much backlash from myself of wearing heels of wearing dresses of wearing makeup of like you know beyond being quote-unquote high maintenance and that was like, what a shitty thing to feel of, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm being too high maintenance because I want to look nice for myself. Like, that's ridiculous. So, Agreed. Um, I, I go out of my way now where, you know, like, I will put on makeup if I'm just going to Walmart. Like, why not? Because I feel like it. Um, I'll put on makeup just to sit at home and work all day. Like, I, I don't care. I just, I'm I just here like for it. Passing. Yeah, like, I like passing the mirror and being like, damn, I look good today. Like, who's that? <laughs> So I I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and that was another hurdle that I definitely, it took a long time for me to overcome. And I'm just really happy that I did. But that was a great question. Thank you. You're welcome. And I mean, thank you for, for giving such a nuanced answer to it as well. I think it's so common for 
for people to worry about how others feel about them. And there's something so freeing when you get to the point where you're just able to do the thing and accept that there are going to be some people who don't think you can do it, but then you do the thing anyway. That is such a fucking great feeling. It's when you... so funny. I love the, like, sh- <laughs> like, the pure shock in the people's faces of, like, wait. Like, they're, you know, they're not sure if they're, like, impressed or scared or both. I'm like, <laughs> you take your time, hi. You just you sit there and process. <laughs> On that note, because you, you actually talked about this topic in a different medium, but it's centered. I want to talk a little bit about boundaries. And, you know, I imagine that when you are sharing parts of yourself on the internet or on social media, whether it has to do with pole dancing or even whether it has to do with being a practitioner, I'm sure adapting that boundary has changed as you've learned and grown. So what does your boundary look like now? So I've always been somebody who has pretty strong boundaries to begin with, thankfully, Mm -hmm. but uh, they are much more ingrained and much, I I don't know the word to use, I guess, thicker (laughs) than, than most people. And I am happy with that because I understand that, especially as somebody who presents themselves online and a lot of pieces about me that I care about a lot, like people are just going to have unsolicited opinions all the time about everything. And um, while that's taught me a lot and I I don't get as affected as I used to by it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't still piss me off. You know, like there's definitely things that people say that I'm just like, you literally typed this out and was like read it back and said, yeah, that's a good idea. And then hit send. Like, I don't know what your thought process was of like, nice. And then, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, I'm going to send this out to the world. And I think it's a good idea that this creator reads this comment about like, how I think that um, she's a terrible spiritual practitioner because she drinks coffee. Like, that's what, you know, like, seriously crazy things. Um, But boundaries, they're one of the most important things to me, and they're one of my most favorite things. And uh, I think that's why, I think that's a big reason why I, as a person, come off more intense than I think maybe people expect or whatever, just because I am very forward. And that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I'm not an asshole. I'm just being honest. Like, no, I'm just trying to be forward about where I stand, how I feel, because my, my, I like to call it my social battery Mm -hmm. and my emotional battery. It's a lot. I know that it's a lot smaller than the average person. I can't handle, um, being around a lot of people or being online or just being on as much as a lot of other people I think can be. Um, So I have to really, really be careful about my boundaries because when that social battery is depleted, I am a different person. Like it, I don't have anything left to, to, to give in even a conversation. If somebody's like, Oh, this is like, they're telling me about their day. Like I can't even muster up making facial expressions to make them know that I'm listening or things like that. Like it it gets really bad and then I get irritable and it's just, it's a whole, I turn into a monster (laughs) basically. Well, you're a person um, with needs, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it took me a while. Like, I think it's so important to know what your social battery looks like because, you know, my partner is a lot more extroverted than I am. And 
and so and so is one of my other friends like my best friend and they will both you know they'll both check up on me which I absolutely adore like all of my friends know me so well um and they'll they'll know they'll come up to me and say hey is your social battery like gone and I'll be like yes (laughs) and so then they know like they they know not to take offense if I'm not reacting or whatever like I'll still sit but I just I don't have the energy to react and I think it's so good to know that about yourself and just be upfront about that um further you know there's days that I will be working all day or something and then I'll go out and then the next day I did have plans but like I don't have the energy to actually go one of my biggest beliefs is I will not do things out of obligation because (laughs) I, I as a practitioner I work with death and the energy of death and you know I meditate on her and I, I I speak with him all the time like I you know I I really try to I mean death shows up in my life 24 7 all the time and I think about it all the time in in a good way I promise <laughs> one of those things is um I, I'm not gonna waste my time and that's one of my biggest things is my my time is precious to me and I want to give that to the people that I love and that I care about and that I think are going to utilize it in a good way and um I'm not going to do it out of obligation. I'm not going to show up to, you know, a, a family gathering when I don't even talk to any of the family just because they're family. And especially as a half Filipino person, that is not really accepted very well um, in that community. But at the end of the day, it's like, what do they know about me? They know nothing about me. So I'm not going to show up at my family reunion to just be there out of obligation because I'm supposed to because they're family same thing of like I'm not going to accept abusive behavior by a partner or by somebody who is family purely because there's somebody I'm supposed to love and that I think is really difficult for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons and um I'm just that's one of the things that it is a hard boundary and I think that's um one of the things that I really hope that everybody can learn because it's made it's enriched my life so much like yes I've pissed off so many people and yes there's a lot of people out there that do not like me for that reason and that's okay um but if you don't like me because I'm setting a boundary with me or with you then that's that tells me a little more on why I'm setting boundaries with you in the first place so uh yeah it's I don't know I think boundaries are definitely something that are not spoken about enough and especially ones that are healthy and not out of a trauma response because there you know there there's a very fine line there as well that hit me in my spirit i um (laughs) (laughs) i boundaries it's when you said earlier how you've become very blunt and very honest it i think boundaries do that to you because it takes knowing yourself right you have to be self-aware to even be able to set boundaries to know what that emotional battery is or what that social battery is by the way i really like that i might steal it yeah take it i would love that to be like a coined term social battery um but no i just i think it's such an important thing and you know when you said not doing things out of obligation i feel like society and just people around us especially family and loved ones whether they mean to or not have a tendency to to create to have these microaggressions and to just say and do certain things that make you feel like you have to do something even your boss or whoever it might be so there's just such a power with 
not doing things because someone makes you feel obligated and doing it because it's good for you. It serves you and your well-being. And I think that's just so important. Yeah, and you know, there's um, been a lot of the time people expect you to explain yourself, right? And I think that's another thing too is you have to have that boundary of how much you think they deserve to be explained to. And I, I do think that, you know, giving an explanation is a good, like, I don't think being like, well, I'm setting this boundary and I'm not telling you why, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, but I don't think that you should need to feel the need to explain every single reason on like and set out a bullet point list. I do think that it should just be like, well, I'm, you know, I, I don't have the energy. Like, I'm just tired and I don't want to. I don't want to like go out and be running on fumes and not have a good time. Like, I don't know why that's, you know, like that, I feel like that's kind of self-explanatory. Like, why don't we just take a rain check? Or if your boss, or I guess your family is like, well, why aren't you showing up to the family union? And it's kind of like, well, you know, that's a lot. Like if it's not close, then it's, well, it's a lot of money and I can't fly out there and take time off of work. And as much as I like, you know, love that you guys are my family, it's not really a priority. And I, and if, they're going to get mad. That's the thing I, too, I think, too, is people with boundaries, the biggest reason why people don't set them is they don't want people to be mad at them, mm -hmm. And which is understandable. Like, you don't want people, especially the people that you love, you don't want them to be upset with you. But if, if it's a healthier relationship, and especially if you're working towards a healthier relationship, they're going to come around and going to understand. And that's just a communication thing, you know? Agreed, 100%. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it makes me happy when I see people who are not only setting good boundaries for themselves, but also empowering other people to do the same. There are some people mm -hmm. that really didn't even hear that word until 2020, which is amazing to me that our society just, that's not something that our society as a whole prioritizes. Um, this sort of relates to the last talk to the topic of boundaries, but you mentioned that you work a lot with death and as someone who is very spirit inclined, I'm sure that is incredibly draining <laughs> at times on top of the state of the world and on top of just like your own mental health and needs that you have in just your day to day life. So how do you personally find a balance with all of that? Well, I think when I say I work with death, a lot of people uh, assume that I'm working with, like, spirits of the dead. And, well, yes, that's part of it. That's actually a very small part of it. Mm -hmm. And because, again, like, I do have boundaries with my spirits, too, just like people. It's like you're not allowed to just come in and, like, do whatever the hell you want in my house. Absolutely not. You know, like, I... I'm a very territorial, territorial person, both with the living and the dead. So, like, if I didn't invite you in, if I didn't ask you to be here, you are not allowed to be here. Um, however, death itself, like the spirit of death, is a lot, it's much more liberating and less, I suppose the word dark would be the best way to um, describe it, less dark than most people would assume. It's intense. It is, but it's not depressing. It's not heavy. It's just intense. And the more you work with death, and I've been working with death for a very long time, that um, you just realize, like, you start to live in a very 
a very prominent state of gratitude of just how incredible it is that you are who you are and where you're at right now. Like just the, the, the pure luck of, of you existing is unfathomable to me. And then the pure luck of meeting people that you love and care about and that you connect with on a totally different realm. You know, just just things like that and even things like the sun rising every single morning or seeing like a beautiful little dragonfly in your garden. Like just these little things you start to realize that are actually incredible and we just take for granted every day. Um, it's It's absolutely insane. Our world is incredible. It's insane. The universe is wild. And so it's just really strange to think about kind of like, I'm just this little blip in time and space and I get to just play around in the world. And yes, it's shitty where we're at right now, but the way that I see it is we're in the midst of everything dying. And I think in the spiritual community, especially, we try to make death this like beautiful thing. And sure, it's a good transformation. It, it can be beautiful in a sense, but it's not. It's gruesome. It's disgusting. It smells awful. And it's it can be so painful. And um, we're in the midst of death in a lot of different ways, both act like actual war and death, and then also just death of society and death of government. Like there are so many things that are dying right now, and it's a slow and painful death because the other side, the thing that is trying to survive is fighting for its life and we're not letting it you know we're, we're trying to kill it and there's a lot of things that just need to die but after this death there's going to be life like there can't be life without death and there can't be death without life right there it's a duality it's a balance and so once these things do die which i do see that happening i believe that with every fiber in my being that all of these terrible things are going to die and we're going to have to build from the ground up we're going to have to plant new seeds and just cater to these things and grow and learn as we go um and i so that's kind of what i mean is i see death in my everyday life but seeing all of these like even the generation after me gen z and the people who are going to come after them like i know that they are going to build something better than what we have right now because we're in the process of killing it for them I feel that with every fiber of my being as well. Um, and it's, I've, in a way, it's it's been a very interesting experience because as heavy as it can be, it's almost something that I look at with an eagerness um, uh-huh. because what we were doing and, and what we have been doing isn't working. And there are lessons that we need to learn and life that needs to live and like you said death has to happen for that to happen so i i am very excited about the future and thank you for also talking about your relationship with death because you are right the spiritual community tends to paint everything in this beautiful array of things and it's such it's such an ambivalent experience (laughs) but also, it's it's an experience that needs to happen at the same time. I think a big piece too is what I'm. You might have seen recently. I'm I'm starting to slowly share this piece of my life of uh, like 
kind of vulture culture and for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know what yeah. that is um it's just kind of finding animals that have been killed on the road or just bones through owl pellets or things like that um and insects and whatnot and i've done this for a while like i really do enjoy kind of like getting that very intimate um work with death and that that's what i mean is like yeah you can say that death is beautiful because i do think in a way it is but the reality especially of death like you can i I think as a whole the transformation is beautiful but the actual pieces of decay like the death itself and then the decay and the grief that comes with that none of those things are beautiful those fucking suck and i'm kind of tired of people trying to like write it off as this beautiful spiritual like yes you can come out stronger and better out of it but like nothing about those processes are good feeling and uh i think that's kind of an irk of mine in the in the spiritual community when it comes to death of like kind of this very gentle release and while it can be that it's very it's very rarely that i agree there's also i I would say that's a gripe of mine as well because there's a lot of trauma that comes along with that journey and Mm. dismissing that part of it feels as if it's dismissing the feelings that that come along with it as well. How would you advise someone who is more aware of the energies around us, be it empathically perceiving spirits or just being just very aware of what's going on in this realm and in others? And when I say that, I mean specifically, what would what is a way that you would advise for them to make space for themselves during this time of death? I think if you're if you're already feeling like you're kind of picking up on these energies or these spirits um, or even just, you know, kind of feelings from other people, try to take that leap of faith and just trust it. Because I think that's a big struggle that a lot of us have is that, um, you know, many of us are taught not to trust ourselves or trust our gut. And it's unfortunate because uh, a lot of the time you'll meet um, you know, I, I met this person in my life one time and I could just tell there was something off it. What they never did anything or said anything, but there was just something that just was wrong. And then later down the line, they, they turn out to do something terrible or be an awful person or whatever, you know? And it's like, man, if I just would have trusted that and I've been there, you know, I've been there so many times where it's like, there's just something about this relationship with this person as a friend, as a, you know, as a, as a partner, as a coworker, whatever, like, I just shouldn't be getting as close with them as I am right now. But if you, if I didn't trust that, you know, things could have turned really, really bad for me. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is just trusting that because that, that can help you navigate yourself both socially and in this world and protect yourself from kind of awful people. Cause I think for the most part, people know, you know, you, you, you're, we're all connected. Like, we have some sort of idea of who these people are, even if we've never met them. Um, so I think that's the first, I guess, form of advice. And then I also think relying on these things, like not even just trusting them, but if you're, especially if you're meeting um, and interacting with spirits or you're curious on doing that because you, you know, maybe are sensitive to them or whatever, then maybe rely on them, and like make some spiritual allies because they can help you 
they can help guide you in different ways and kind of send you in the right direction and that can be really helpful in times when you just don't know where you're going um and lastly working with i i want to say ancestors but i understand that not everybody loves their ancestors um but you know ancestors uh spiritual team so like uh, if you believe in like a spiritual guide or a guardian angel or just even the the native local spirits around you who are willing to create a relationship with you or even if you have a garden like all of those plants have spirits all of these animals and these these insects that visit your garden they all have spirits so like working with them they know the land better than you ever will so you know if you're living there that could be a great partnership and you would learn so much from them um and i just think that that would be an easy way to kind of navigate communally um oh, I lost a thought there was it was going it was going and then it just crashed um it's okay but, oh there's the thought there you go. Uh, <laughs> I found it um I think too with how much I mean being in social media you see the world right like you are able to connect with anybody and everybody around the world at any given second and that's really fucking overwhelming especially getting news from all around the world constantly. And a lot of it is not good news. Like the good news doesn't usually go viral, unfortunately. So I think we often feel just at a loss of what to do. Like we just feel too small to do anything. And I really do think the biggest impacts are when you start small, like, and that's so cliche, I know, but I I honestly believe that like, if you are, just reaching out to people who literally live next to you and creating a community like how many of your neighbors do you actually know the names of and like know what they do for a job like basic things like that like how many of them just next door in a 10 house vicinity do you actually know and a lot of people are gonna say oh maybe one you know like maybe um but it's like go out and see who you're living with too like who you're living in a community with like I think we're missing that it takes a village to raise a child mentality. Like it takes a village to be supported and to be safe. Like the smaller communities are the ones that make really big impacts because they care and they love and they support each other. Mm -hmm. And so if you are that one little spark of light that you're just, you know, reaching around and you're like, Oh, I made home baked cookies. If you're like a kitchen witch and you're just reaching out around to like everybody, maybe just seasonally, but people are going to start to get curious and maybe start, you know, like reaching out and be like, oh, let's do a little barbecue for just our little community or whatever. Like start to really connect with people. And as an introvert saying that, I, I swear to God, I believe in community so much. I really do think that it makes such a huge difference. So I think that's another thing is like even outside of the, the spiritual realm, like mundanely, you might feel small, but like start small. That's that's such a powerful concept because like a bunch of small creates big and it takes that. And I think you can be an introvert and want community at the same time. I think you just want it in a different way than maybe an extrovert would. But no, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And thank you for sharing that. And also for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you for all your wonderful questions. Absolutely. And if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me on both Instagram and YouTube as the Witch of Wonderlust with an O, not an A, not Wanderlust. <laughs> um, but because I know that's the real world, the real word. Uh, and I am on Twitter as the Wonder as the Wonderlust Witch, but I kind of just shit post there, so that's up to you if you want that chaos. <laughs> um, and I do have a Patreon, so I do, like, weekly readings for everybody. I do a general reading, and, like, there's some extra exclusive content. Um, and, you know, we interact there, and it's a lot of fun. I'm trying to think. I think that's all. I think those are the only places that you can really find me. But I am pretty active on all of those areas, so. And yeah. I'll link those as well, so that if anybody wants, like, direct links to them, I'll put them in the description bar when this airs. Sounds good. All right, well. Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the show and a big thanks and even more love to all of our listeners out there. You are an integral part of this experience. And as always, the Raindrop Corner podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all standard podcast streaming platforms. Until next time.